0: This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there, and welcome to the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. I'm Stuart Goldsmith, and this is episode number three, in which I'll be talking to Mr. Dan Antopolsky. Um, this is very different to either of the ones we've had so far. I mean, of course, every comedian is a, a beautiful, unique snowflake, and none more so than the comedy wizard Dan. I, I think... I think of him as a wizard because he's kind of peculiar and arcane in his comedy in a a very exciting frothy sort of a way Um, but at the same time he's very like a a magician like a stage magician uh, in that we're going to be talking a lot about not using these terms but we're going to be talking about misdirection and how you can lead an audience up the garden path and get them to look one way while you're secretly changing the meaning of something somewhere else so it's a really fascinating chat I hope you're going to get a lot out of it Uh, Dan's a a lovely man and uh, Uh, We'll be mentioning the various things he's up to at Edinburgh this year uh, during the show. So I hope you enjoy the chat. The show is another long one. Um, I've had some great feedback from people and a lot of you have said you don't mind it being long and someone (laughs) said that it slays train journeys. So that's fine. That's exactly what we're after. Um, It's another one of about an hour, I think. Thanks for your feedback in general. I've really been uh, appreciating that. It's great if you get in touch with me. You can do that at info at stuartgoldsmith.co.uk or you can tweet me at comcompod. Um, feel free if you're tweeting to RT that, especially if you're a comedian with a large following, uh, big up the show and spread it around. A couple of people have done that. Thank you very much to to Matt Green, Joe Lycett, Ben Vanderveld, Tony Cowards and uh, Sarah Millican have all very kindly tweeted it. If you would like to join that illustrious team, which I'm calling the... Super Goldsmiths Then uh, Then by all means If you want to be A Super Goldsmith Get out there And uh, And tell your followers To follow this And uh, And listen to these These things Hey If you're a newer act And you get loads of people in Maybe I'll interview you A little incentive for you there um, Oh that sounds cheap I regret saying that But uh, you know It's nice if people Know about the show So keep bringing it up And uh, and thank you for the feedback Do keep sending me Suggestions of people You'd like to see Or uh, Wild criticism and uh, <laughs> I just suddenly envisage hundreds of people emailing me. Just stop talking at the beginning. That's probably best. Um, there was an odd little moment in this show as well, which uh, which might be food for thought for some of you, uh, where Dan mentioned the name of a specific comedy club or clubs about which he has little positive to say. And uh, I didn't know whether I should leave that in. I don't want to censor my guests, uh, but at the same time, I did laugh at it, and that somehow implicates me, and perhaps. This comedy club or clubs is one that employs me. So, uh, fortunately, it didn't uh, matter in the end because I happened to loudly sneeze exactly when he said the name. But if you have a strong feeling that that's something bad that I've done and I should uh, I should maybe take a different path there, do get in touch. I, it's an interesting thing and I, I've given it a lot of thought. Fortunately, as I said this time, a loud sneeze, so no problems there. A um, couple of special guests coming up. Uh, I'll tell you more about them soon when when they're firmed up. But uh, no comedian is more special than any other comedian. But uh, the two people I've got in mind are hugely famous, so uh, so they are more special. That's just how it works. Um, finally, you can uh, you can very nearly buy tickets for Comedians Comedian Live at the Edinburgh Festival which is going to be lunchtimes at 12.30 at the Gilded Balloon on Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. I've got some fantastic guests lined up for that. The boy with tape on his face is going to come down. Uh, Rod Gilbert's going to be there. Uh, Josh Widdicombe is going to come along. Pappies an and a Bandaman, And I'm working on some others uh, at the moment as well. So hopefully you'll come and enjoy that. You can't buy tickets just yet. Maybe you can by the time this has gone out. Um, but you can buy tickets for my own show, which is called Stuart Goldsmith. Prick. Uh, it's probably best to search on the edfringe.com website for Goldsmith uh, because they've censored the word prick because that's too rude for the people of Edinburgh. Um, but uh, I'm really looking forward to that show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So buy stuff, support the show, retweet it, tell everybody, and uh, enjoy this chat with the fabulous Mr. Dan Antopolsky. <laughs> I'm Stuart Goldsmith, and I'm here with Dan Antopolsky, and we're in his dark cellar.
1: Hello, welcome to the nether place of my house.
0: Did you nearly say nether regions? I there? did,
1: yeah. <laughs> Once you start saying nether, it's hard not to say regions.
0: It is. It's quite nether around here, which I like. Uh, we were in your kitchen a moment ago, and you suggested we come... land of light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I
1: well. beckoned you down, yeah. yeah. It's not really down, at all. it's a long, but it's sort of a pseudo-cellar, because it have got a small window.
0: And, this and is, I do
1: keep people tied up in.
0: And this is where you do your writing, or as you were telling That's me earlier nice. on, this is this is where the nose picking happens. This is
1: where the nose picking happens. This is my uh, overpriced uh, Mac uh, keyboard. For the uh, benefit
0: of the listener, we're looking at an overpriced Mac keyboard.
1: Thank you. And um, yeah, so this is where I sit here in June and July, having made a load of notes throughout the year on my phone notes application, and then I convert those bullet points into paragraphs. And then uh, there comes a mediocre show. <laughs>
0: is, that, is that your process? Is that genuinely it? Yeah, I couldn't well, tell I, if you're being dry then. Or no, no,
1: that's about it, yeah. I mean, my I, I speak already implicitly in terms of the Edinburgh calendar because that's how I've always worked. Mm-hmm. And um, I rely on Edinburgh to frighten me into creating a new hour of material every year. And I think I create an hour, uh, sort of half of that from inspiration as I walk around ideas. And then the other half um, comes from... You know, sitting down and bashing away at paragraphs. This is... Trying to make them elegant. Towards Edinburgh,
0: June and July. To make them elegant. Yeah. That's a lovely way To make event.
1: them yeah. not be awful to listen to. This, all, is, this, yeah. is,
0: this is excellent stuff, Dan, but I think we should go back to hello. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, we've got a little bit of time. So I miscaged uh, the time of this interview. No, that's perfectly fine. What <laughs> I could do is I'll, I'll chop that bit back into... Okay. We'll leave so a gap later on of two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say, so what's your process? Yeah, then we'll yeah. see you drinking tea. And <laughs> yeah. um, so, to begin with, you yeah. are Mr. Dan Antopolsky, oh, yeah. he yeah. of the, uh, the beard and the curly hair, the penetrating gaze.
1: These are all... And um, I yeah. was going to
0: say before, I uh, I recently saw on your fabulous website, uh, which is danantopolsky.com. There yes, are. if
1: it ain't broke, don't fix it. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: but uh, I saw the little thing on your website of the, the flash video you made, like the animation of your entire roll of uh, shots. Yeah. Photo
1: shoot. Yeah, yeah. yeah shots. Yeah. That's which right.
0: is, it's breathtaking. And yeah. it's fascinating, actually, to see someone else's, uh, someone else's offcuts. Yeah. Because I never know what to do in a photo shoot. You sort of stand there. and Do no. I do different faces all the time? And you do. And you do them with real <laughs> <Yeah>. pizzazz, <laughs> real
1: dynamism. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Well, we're trying to get silly moments. Uh, just for the listener, I did a photo shoot two years ago where I had a big magician's cape, and it looked sort of uh, overblown and ridiculous. And I had to kind of pull a sort of face to go with it. And um, the blessed thing about digital photography, which didn't exist sort of when I started doing Edinburgh, is that you can just snap away. And make giga- gigabytes of uh, photos, and the ones you don't like, you can then delete. So uh, you can just stand there pulling faces for ages and ages.
0: And you and really do pictures. Yeah. You really do pull a face. You've got a really good face for pulling faces. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, no, that's meant complimentary. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So let's just sort of put you in the context of uh, of how you got into comedy and what sort of a comic you are. Because I was thinking about you earlier on. And I was thinking you're someone with a, a fairly prodigious breadth of output, be it in stand-up or raps. And then there was the dinks and now there's jigsaws, there's a sketch show. You're, you're, you're making an awful lot of stuff. And I wondered how it was that you first started and what, what it was that attracted you to comedy as a thing.
1: Well, I it was in nineteen ninety seven, in June, and I think it was the ninth that I did my first circuit gig and that <laughs> you have clearly done a
0: lot of interviews. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, I remember that date because I was very excited to be doing stand up, so that was a very mm-hmm. sort of hallowed uh, day for me when I stood on the stage at Purple Turtle in Essex Road in Islington. Oh yeah. And faced down what to me seemed a, a terrifying audience and so on. And um, I had been at university with some chums and uh, some of them were doing open spot gigs and I'd gone to see them doing gigs in London and glimpsed the circuit and sort of seen how you, you know, most open spots were awful and mad and had no, you know, reason to believe they could do stand up. So the door was wide open. <laughs> I understood watching a couple of gigs that you could just turn up, that that was your yeah. qualification to start. Sure. And so I turned up, yeah. And once I started, after about five or six gigs, I was bitten by the bug and was uh, sort of fell on it, yeah.
0: And had you had you ever had designs on a, a performative career as, as a young man? I think I man? probably
1: fancied it just from vanity, you know, to have people look, uh, you know, that part of performer is always there. But uh, I wouldn't have ever connected wherever I was in practical steps to being a comedian. But then it, the question of how people become comedians is very fascinating to normal, non-comedian interviewers because they can't see yeah. how you go about walking along to the shops. My God, what and then do you one, do? Yeah. one day, how does it happen that you're a suddenly a comedian, you know? Yeah. And, Is it,
0: uh, had you been into comedy as a kid? Had you... Had it you seems
1: now in retrospect, fated, because I was very interested in, uh, yeah, I've got all the things that we, like, I'm an 80s kid, so for me it was... Ben Elton and Harry Enfield. Lenny Henry. And Lenny Henry, I suppose, yeah. And uh, all that crew, yes. Yeah, Friday night, Friday live and Saturday live and Friday night live, I think it was. And
0: um, were you a person that would learn the sketches and remember them and go in and perform them for you mates yeah, the next day?
1: that's it, absolutely. And at university, uh, we put on a few nights where we would do Fry and Laurie sketches, which seems yeah. sort of hilarious. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <absolutely>. yeah <laughs> very provincial thing to do, but that's what uh, occurred to us to do, to... Enacts those sketches. Yeah, that, that so still happens.
0: A friend of mine was at a rugby club uh, do, and her brother and some of his friends were performing. We are clang. Right. <laughs> yeah, wow yeah. just from having seen them at Edinburgh, they were blown away and just cobbled together whatever they could remember. Right. How and lovely. What yeah. a nice thing. Yeah. It's like well, it's nice that that, to that, enter that the culture, yeah. tradition is, uh, is is going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, so you you got into doing stand Now, this was kind of like proper stand up in inverted commas at the time. What was your style when you first started? What sort of things did you do? I think my first
1: sets I had poems. I had a little book which pretended to be the book of poems because that was an acceptable prop on stage. But actually, it had the jokes in because you can remember poems because <laughs> they are poems, uh, little rhymes, you know, rude poems. And, uh. So that was the equivalent so of you writing
0: them on the back of your hand. Yeah,
1: which I still do. I have it. And you can see the ink fading. Oh, there. yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, same yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> Brothers in this, uh, sin. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, I just sort of did, uh, little, uh, poems and weird, uh, disjointed one-liners in between. I think I was enamored of Harry Hill at that time and was trying to, uh, yeah, kind of mess around. I think if I wanted to be grand about my early, Mission in writing, it would, I did a linguistics degree and I had sort of looked at the process of understanding sentences and okay. in speech. And so I was quite technical about disrupting the normal, anyway. Everyone who's listening to this will think I'm a wanker. No, not they're, at all. This is what you're after. Yeah. This is something, exactly what I'm something after. Technical, that, yeah. that, to
0: me, makes absolutely perfect sense. Yeah. If I looked at 50 comics and you were one of them and they yeah. said one of these guys did a linguistics degree, it would make perfect sense to me, were you? Yeah. Well, I was sort of geeky about that and
1: I definitely did sort of think quite consciously about how jokes were structured in terms not just of misleading people about a pun in the setup, but mm-hmm. other ways of... Identifying assumptions that were made about what was being communicated and then wrong footing those, you know. Okay. Assumptions of clarity or assumptions of, yeah, that registers of speech would go together or anything. Anyway. Can, you,
0: can you give us an example of the sort of thing you're talking well, about? Well, there Obvious, we are. I've game. Yeah Obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> game. I was going to say, obviously, Dan, I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, 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 but yeah. for the benefit of the stupid listeners. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, an early joke that I liked
1: very much, um, which w- was, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, it, how did it go? It was, you know, when you get a pee on a, f- when you're trying to get a pee on a fork and you can't get a purchase on it and you end up chasing it all around the plate, well, you can't just throw money at the problem. So yeah, that was a sort of early joke which <laughs> would divide audiences. And I did sort of think about how this idea was presenting itself as a, a logical idea and then it would just sort of wiggle off, yeah. And, uh, so I suppose that is an example of that. So that's, and that's a I misunderstanding. Think.
0: And I imagine yeah. part of the way that joke works is people are thinking P as in, oh, he means a different meaning of the word P here. Yeah. I so sp- it wrongs really, expectation of it. A- when
1: you're telling a joke, the listener's mind is sort of racing ahead, forming hypotheses about where the pivot is, Yeah, what that's going to do the switcheroo, you know. So if you then abandon that whole pivot system sure. <laughs> and then go somewhere else, then that can be sort of funny in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, but then that all becomes another kind of joke. And as you know, as you advance, you, there are sort of first order, second order, third, you know, you just sort of get a bit more developed and Mm -hmm. can mock things that you've, you've understood thoroughly. You can then sort of spin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So everything
1: Yeah, comedy is just about making the audience be wrong about what they think you're going to say. I, I tend to think that's a, a cardinal
0: yeah. sin of open spots is to point yeah. out the structure of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. They're, but they're really only scraping the surface of a yeah. of a structural thing, whereas, as you say, it can become much more sophisticated. That's right. And that is a sort of glaring sociological
1: fact of people in that position, which is that they aspire to technical mastery yes. because they don't have it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why they say so many technical things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about whether the audience got that or not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whether and that man. was worth more. Yeah yeah, or yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: So do you find that, or did you find that when you were writing, um, well, we'll talk about the, the writing of it. And I also want to talk mm. about the, the reception of that kind of material. I mean, yeah. did you think when you were writing, was that process semiotically going through your head of going, right, I've got to find the, I've got to find the pivot. I've got to do this. Or is it just that you feel your, uh, your appreciation of what's funny is such that, to you, that's one of the obvious tacks you can take. Um, I'm not trying to trap you there and no, say no, that no. No, my appreciation is enormous. But. No, no, no.
1: I suppose, like, at, at the end of the day, we, I talk about theory, but on some level we're all doing these things instinctively. Comedians, mm-hmm. aren't we? Like, we're using our own reaction to the thought of the joke in our minds to determine whether or not we think an audience might agree. You know, and it's only ever might, you go to the gig and you can be wrong. Sure. But, um I think
0: uh uh I can't even remember your question, I've <laughs> <laughs> just about just about um, whether um Oh I'm gonna forget it now, and that's gonna be awkward. Try it. Uh, um no, about whether you are writing the joke thinking I'm gonna do something quite clever technically here, or whether that exists as a framework within which you really work on instinct and then you you can maybe retroactively look at it and go, Oh, oh that's what I was doing. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I think probably you do write a joke instinctively. Like one ne- one can never remember how an idea plopped into one's consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like you must find that. Mm-hmm. You can never remember the exact moment where you were Stuart Goldsmith who didn't have the joke about the gorilla, and then you were yeah. Stuart who did have that joke, you know. So that is always a mysterious sure. and fully formed, pro- like the spontaneous evolution of an eyeball in yes. nature is a mystery. You know, how could these interdependent parts sort of exist? But somehow that happens. Your brain right. does that instinctively. And then you... I suppose a technical understanding helps you accept, like, you have a lot of fledging ideas that you reject as not passing Mm -hmm. some kind of funniness criterion, Mm -hmm. or, you know, but you have ideas that are not funny yet, but you think they've got legs, and that might be because they satisfy some kind of structural thing where you think, oh yeah, that is a thing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah.
0: So, so you were saying about, um, the, trying to use yourself as a gauge for how fast an audience can can think. I. Th- I, th- I mean. I. I know exactly what you mean there. I, I yeah. Um, in that you. You use yourself as a kind of. Okay. If I were listening to this. Yeah. At what point would I catch up with what was being thought? But yeah. Do you and find one can th- often be wrong about that as well. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I,
1: I've. I've. I think I, there's a mistake I've made for longer in my career than one would expect. Just <laughs> sure. a flaw. But, yeah. You know, beyond beyond <laughs> beyond, beyond, be, beyond just being mistake. junior. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where I forget how involved the writing process was and i don't give the audience enough time in performance to get a joke and then i think they didn't find it funny get paranoid and move on in and, and <laughs> yeah like, yeah i've done and i continue to do this i can i've I'm, i've intellectualized it so i'm i put the brakes on it but yeah. actually when i listen to recordings of my performances i often find i'm talking very fast yes and that actually even as a listener even though i wrote the jokes i'm not able to just to follow the steps that i can out. but not pleasantly Sure. You know, <laughs> it is a, it is a rush sometimes listening to a Dan Antipolsky gig if he's not watching himself because he'll just throw too many nouns and verbs at you, yes. which are designed to be a bit obscure, which is sure. supposed to be pleasurable, a treasure trove of uh, a knowledge that you have, but mm-hmm. passively and not actively and remind you about copper sulfate or whatever, you know. Yes. So it comes from a bit of your brain and then not give that information enough time to travel along the neural pathways to the front you
0: know uh, just mentioning that with yeah. the copper sulfate joke i think was the first joke i ever saw you do i, oh, really? I think i first saw you on uh, uh 28 acts in 28 minutes okay and you were oh, and I, I, I was show. just tickled i was delighted oh, nice. and, I, and i think part of that reason was that as a even though i wasn't a stand-up at that time I, i'd been doing comedy of making people laugh on the street for a long time and right. i i i, I felt like I had a fairly sophisticated sense of humour. Mm-hmm. And I really liked uh, comics who were chucking things out so fast I could only just keep up. Right. And I, I think that's part of the attraction of, uh, of someone like you, is that you are, the stuff is so dense, or can be so dense. I, I think deliberately... But it mustn't be too it, dense. And you're a bright yeah. chap as well. So you can't
1: expect... I sure. mean, broadly speaking, you're a bright
0: person. But, you know, <laughs> I didn't know how to respond no, no, to that. No, 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 but from, you know.
1: <laughs> compared to some audiences, you can't assume sure. that everyone is sort of no, a, no. A, a,
0: eager, and B, alert. For the benefit of the listener, could no. you tell us the... I mean, we, you can't what's do that? that joke, though, because we know the punchline, but what's... Oh, uh, yeah,
1: well, the joke is very simply Since we're in an academic uh, conversation, yeah. there's no harm in... The, <laughs> no, the joke is, uh, what is white when dry, blue when wet? Copper sulphate. So it's sort of a, an anti-joke, yeah.
0: And I particularly remember the way you would perform it would be to sort of it was Ta-da. just such a surprise getting yeah, yeah, yeah. coffee sulfate, like yeah, yeah. as if you were expecting it. As if it were a cheesy musical part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. That's yeah, right. yeah. So when you're trying to gauge Yes, do you find that process that's what I was gonna ask? Mm. Do you find the, the process of putting yourself in the shoes of the audience member? Do you think over time there is kind of a, a, a smudge, there's a change I think what I'm what I'm trying to say is you presumably are much faster and more comedically sophisticated than the average audience member. One would hope so. One would hope professional so. <laughs> queen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you find that the like? Are you kind of? Do you find that you play the role of Joe Punter when you're thinking? Okay, at what point do I get this? At what point might a punter catch up with this? At what point might thirty percent of the room, or and is there is there a point? Okay, and by now a hundred percent of the room will be behind this concept.
1: I suppose so. Um, I think that is not me, but that's a general sort of comedian's thing that your ultimate goal is to communicate. And even if you're being deliberately difficult or deliberately, um, nutty professorish or something where the audience is supposed to understand part but not all, mm-hmm. or that there's a pleasure of being a bit baffled. Yeah. You know, or feeling like there's a sure. runaway train sure. going off the rails or something like that. Or even that you're watching an autistic persona who's pleasing themselves. You know, yes. that can all be a pleasure. At a kind of character comedy level almost, yes. you know. But at some point you have to be able to communicate one of these things. Yes. Otherwise nothing is happening. Yes. In, or it's in, just in theatre. It's a wanker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: uh, it, it's very upsetting if you have gigs where people think you're a wanker because yeah. they didn't, they didn't follow you mm. where you were trying to, you were trying to leap like a will of the wisp. You're trying to sort of dance a bit out of their way and they're trying to be behind you so that Sure. So that they think you're a magic man, and that's a fun thing to think.
0: And yet not. sometimes you're because just a, you want them an to... annoying flashing yeah, light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a balancing act. That is why comedy is an art. Because mm-hmm. if it was simple and could be written down, and an actor could be taught to do it, then there'd be nothing to be yeah. a comedian. And we all know that. Like, How long have you been doing stand-up now? About five, six
0: years. Yeah. Five, six, six, six years. years.
1: Okay. Well, you know the process is ongoing. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's yes, I, slow. I, I the, think the, I have to the, comfort the myself with that sometimes. Yeah. That
0: you go, well, you know, yeah. when you're stuck on something, yeah. I think to, I try and think to myself, well, of course this isn't easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. That's exactly Of course, right. at the moment, everyone is doing it, but yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. can only hope it stays difficult enough to...
1: No, that's right, yeah. But, I mean, it, the, when you start, there's a very steep learning curve and mm. then it kind of trails off as it must. And if you look at Rich Hall or someone doing it, not merely 10 years, but I guess 30 years, sure. then he's that degree... Again, you know, yeah. Stuart Lee, who's been doing it, I suppose, 25 years, you know, uh-huh. I couldn't begin to write his stand up. No, you know.
0: Yeah. Did you think you would be like the kind of comic that you are? Did you have an idea in your head of the sort of comic you would be? And how does that match up with the kind of comic that you are now? Um, you mean at the very beginning? Yeah, I just as an example, I, I I used to go and see Simon Munnery a lot, yeah. and mm. I thought, I'm going to do com- comedy, and I'm going to be just like Simon Munnery, sure. and of course, I couldn't be more different from no. him, you know, in in, in approach, in, demeanor, in intellect, and and demeanor, in in everything, but I I just wanted... He's,
1: he's quite a, a a challenging person to seek to emulate. Yeah, him. well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. For anyone, but yeah.
0: I, I think that's it, I, I don't think I kind of, I don't know that I was seeking to emulate him, I just thought, this is what the best comedy is. Yeah, 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 sure. Um,
1: so, so that's you, that's how we feel when we start is that is mm. we feel like there are authentic ways to do it or there's a truest yeah. way to do it. And uh when I started in nineteen ninety seven, Harry Hill, Eddie Izzard, mm-hmm. and of and then my peers. And like when I went around this I remember seeing Sean Locke for the first time at Up mm. the Creek and just thinking, Oh my god, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was possible yeah. to be this sort of effortless do You and, feel that, that simultaneous so mix so, of so simple seeming yeah. and yet so you know, yeah. currentish, you know, and uh it was so exciting, yeah, and so uh, as soon as one starts, whoever one looked at as a model quickly gets you know there are all these gods and demigods that mm-hmm. sort of uh inspire you, and you try on their hat for a while, see how it fits, and then mm-hmm. you maybe shed it, you know it's sad when somebody keeps sort of talking yes. you know there are some people yeah, we've who, all seen that happen I we've think. all seen yeah. that happen naming no names, yeah, there are people who are sort of are sort of stuck in this kind of uh uh trope. Yeah. Way of performing where you feel that their own personality is not being expressed. Yeah, and, and that's, that is that's limiting. It's yeah. kind of a trap, isn't it? Yeah, because they're, trap, because I suppose yeah. it puts
0: it, it generates a kind of a comfort zone that yeah. you're really only going to evolve when you can. I mean, they're mentioning no names. There is an act who's very like a famous act uh, yeah. that I know, and he'll he'll do his thing, yeah. and you kind of go, oh, okay, well, it's kind of worked. There it yeah. is. And then in the car afterwards, uh, this specific person, he just started telling me stories from his own life. And I just felt like and shaking. He, and, and he's going, a witty person. Do yeah, this! Exactly. This is so unusual and new no, and exactly. daft, you know.
1: But people go down, they go down a road and they, I mean, when once you get professionally comfy and earn a living, and then who knows, maybe have kids and need to maintain mm-hmm. income, you know, you can be trapped and it's a problem Mm. You know, for people who've got a two-dimensional persona that doesn't allow for their real changes as they age, sure. And they and you, there are some comedians who are like Radio One DJs, like these yeah. fifty. I don't know how old David Kidd Jensen is. I can't listen to him; it sounds yeah. like death. Yeah, it just sounds like it's like a fossil of an earlier decade speaking yes. in those cadences. You know, and uh I mean comedy, uh, yeah, should be uh, expressive, and that is only possible if it's allowed to reflect who you are Mm -hmm. at any one moment I think
0: one of the things I really enjoy in, in having these these chats and recording these podcasts is being reminded that there is more to it than than you know, the daily grind of being a comic and having yeah. to write jokes and get on with it and do it and produce the stuff and sure. put the mileage in. Yeah. It can, you can end up kind of feeling, oh, we're, we're just a bunch of turns. And then yeah. when I have one of these chats, it's so refreshing to hear, a, you know, to be reminded just, oh, no, there's all this stuff going on. Yeah. Just the way you're talking about currents and like this sort of the dance, the, the, the interplay of, of the rhythm of your performance and the 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 words that you're saying yeah to to remember that there is so much
1: oh yeah more to it and that's it's i mean one does get jaded and one can forget that one was once very inspired by people yeah. who were very good at it as one was inspired by sportsmen or or anyone else sure. that had an impressive skill you know yeah. once yeah. you acquire some skill you know some basic uh, stagecraft you can sort of feel that it's a bit of a well you can feel it's a craft and lose touch with the fact that it's an art i suppose mm-hmm. and there are you know, comics are awful. <laughs> I mean, they've re- the, the, the life decision that they initially made to sort of have a creative lifestyle has been completely sold sure. for a kind of, I don't know, a comfort and salary and a kind of deluded affirmation of their peers. And it's sure. this very malign... Little Oxbow Lake, where, and I don't mean professionally. I don't mean they're only earning eighty grand. <laughs> yeah, a million quid. You know, but yeah. they creatively, they've sort of gone forward to a point and then just set, mm. settled. You know, I should, This and is, that's it, so against yeah. what one, what I still feel, yeah, is the attraction of comedy. Which Did you is ever that you do? You can mix it up, give something a poke, see if it moves, and yeah. break things. Just you know, because even if they're not broken, you can fix them just to sure. see what happens. You know, sure. And that's precious, and that's something I'm finding now working with Jigsaw. Perhaps we'll talk about current projects later. But I'm I'm uh, you, I'm working with um, Tom Crane and Nat seema writing sketches, and we're now like last year we did our first Endra show, and we were presenting written scripts to each other, and then tentatively correcting them. And now mm-hmm. we're rude to each other because we know each other, yeah. And we're just sort of being very silly. And sketches can start one way, and they can totally go off another mm-hmm. way. We completely have an idea about the sketch that. Is we tried out a couple of times, only the bit in the middle got any laughs. So we think, yeah. oh, maybe that's the funny bit. So maybe he's not a professor, maybe he's a milkman, and we yeah. just go off and, so that's very nice that things can be endlessly refreshed, like an extra sketch just sort of white. Sure. And, sure.
0: Yeah. So we'll talk about so collaboration yeah, yeah, of course, then. Yeah. So you, mm. you, um, you work with the Dinks. Now, I never saw the Dinks. Sure. Was that a sketch show or was that a that group of different stand-up things? Or just to tell us a little bit about that and we'll put Jigsaw in the context of that.
1: Certainly. The Dinks uh, was two Edinburgh shows and um, associated uh, prep in uh, 2003 and 2004. And it was me and Tony Law and Craig Campbell, both of whom are brilliant uh, stand-ups mm. in their own rights. And it was um an adventure story. So I suppose our model was the Bush Edinburgh shows mm-hmm. where they'd had uh, the Bush boys in the Arctic or whatever. So the the first show, I think, was uh, uh the idea was I was an Englishman. We had this sort of audio introduction about how an Englishman had fallen out of a plane crash and landed in this mm-hmm. yard in Alberta, Canada, with these two backwards types. Okay. And then we were trying to share a yard, and then we all fell out, and then aliens came, and then so it was sort of, yeah, yeah. extended sitcom type. Sure, of, sure. Uh, show with songs and that sort of
0: thing and very silly and Craig's threatening us physically yeah, I was nice. going to say yeah. I, can, I can imagine you and Tony Law being naturally drawn together in terms of style yeah. and Craig Campbell who I, I think is a phenomenal stand up I think of him he's like a bear do you yeah. mean, I think the very first conversation he and I had yeah. was about what you should do if a bear was chasing you <laughs> he <people. Yeah, yeah. laughs> takes those great. conversations very seriously he really yeah. does <laughs>
1: if any listener ever encounters Craig you know even if you've never met him before ask him about the difference between huskies and malamutes and he'll assume you've got a good reason for asking yeah, and talk absolutely. for 45 minutes very absolutely. interestingly on the subject yeah.
0: but, that's, but that's a very different sort of a a style, his stand-up is a very different style to yours and and to Tony. So what was the the genesis of that, of you guys working together?
1: Well, Craig was uh, from an earlier way. I mean, Craig supported Jim Carrey when he still did uh, arenas that, you know, of a size that we might relate to, you know. So Craig has been doing stand-up for quite a long time. Jesus, yeah. Um, And had a TV show in Canada, was kind of a star there. So Tony had was a fan of Craig's, mm-hmm. and Tony had sort of done stand-up mainly in Britain, so although he was Canadian, he was really a British mm-hmm. comic in the sense of his traditions. Sure. And uh, so Craig, anyway, so that's how he knew of Craig. I didn't really know of Craig, but we all got on initially. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> right. so, so we, we, we did the show. And then eventually, um, like any group of uh, three men, we uh, all, all decided we wanted to kill each other and start sure. working
0: but I think in a situation, if, very I, nice, yeah. if I was in a room with Craig and he wanted to kill me or I wanted to yeah. kill him, I would leave that room. For example, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's a, I, I mean, it's a funny thing. Collaboration
1: is very difficult, and I, I mean, this podcast is going to hang around, and who knows what's going to happen with Jigsaw? Of you know, maybe, uh, yeah, it yes, will also, also come to bitterness and uh, <laughs> McCartney Lennon hatred. You know, but um, that was quite grand, quite yeah. inspirational. <laughs> but uh, at the moment, we sort of feel like it's a very healthy dynamic which i mean it was the, the, the really those... great we did some funny like the first show was very funny the second show it we were sort of starting to fray and uh yeah i think it was not as good but anyway and then we stopped but mm-hmm. um uh the i think three men is difficult and yes. especially three stand-ups all of whom are yes sort of, absolutely you know however much they smooth over they are sort of alphas you know mm-hmm. that it, they it's it is hard to share and with jigsaw uh I'm nearly forty, and Tom is thirty, so mm-hmm. we're different mm-hmm. beasts. And Nat is a lady, mm-hmm. so like there just isn't the a same. A very different beast. A very <laughs> different beast indeed. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there isn't this, There seems to be, hopefully, less uh, potential for friction. I and think so stylistically the case, as well, yeah.
0: you're 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 much. I would imagine you're much more compatible in terms of the things that make you laugh. More complementary. Disc- more complimentary, mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: I would say so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah.
0: And, and um, I mean, I can only talk about I saw Jigsaw last year. I saw you do some yeah. warm-up stuff at Old Rope and then I saw okay. your, your show, yeah um, which I thought was just... I mean, I don't want to say it's ridiculous. No, no. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You sound like an right nice. I saw the show. Loved it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, mean I thought it was great. Yeah. And what I loved was nice, it was nice. just, a, like you said, it was kind of, it, even then it looked like you had done a bunch of stuff taken all of the funny bits and dropped everything else we just did hundreds and hundreds of really
1: funny things really thank you very much yeah Yeah. well that was our intention we worked very hard on the show and we worked we i think it was 44 tiny sketches in 50 minutes yeah by the end so it was like really pared down to ideas yeah so it was kind of the equivalent of like a one-liner comic i suppose yeah uh, i hadn't we hadn't seen that done anywhere anywhere else and that was not how was not our original intention to do short sketches, but that was how it evolved. That the sketch, if we made the sketches short, they would be funny. Yeah. And the whole flow of the sketches would be better because the audiences would know even if a sketch wasn't the best, you yeah. know, there's always greens and ambers and reds, you know. Sure, Then, right? sure. uh, then they would still be on board with us because they knew another idea they might prefer would be along in a minute. So there was a tremendous good, w- we didn't, we hardly had Hard shows. We had like one yeah. show where it was Old People Tuesday. Yeah, okay. And, and. We've done uh, Mervyn Stutter. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that was hard. And maybe a couple of others. But like generally in an Edinburgh run, there's like a, a third mm-hmm. where it's work, you mm-hmm. know, and then there's a third that are gold. And then in the middle, there's, you know. So it was a very performable show. It reminds me and, just uh, now
0: you said about the, um, from, getting to the, getting to the punchline and then moving on. It reminds me of, um, Tom Basden's approach to comedy songs. I don't know if you saw yeah, his, I didn't show, see I the he, no, I've seen his show. I've seen he got nominated for or won the, the Perrier with his show, won't say anything. Oh, he yeah. didn't speak, but he did comedy songs. Okay. With no choruses, right? And he did the funny bit and then yeah, got yeah, out yeah, and yeah. did another one and ended yeah. up doing sort of hundreds of them. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Having done a little bit of sketch stuff myself with Richard Sandling in, right. the, in the show uh, Kiosk of Champions, yes, I think we really fell prey to let's keep going because it'll yes. get funny again rather than. But that's it depends, really I right. mean,
1: it depends, it depends what the dynamic is. It's not the only approach. I think, I mean, for, for Jigsaw, it was the, I, I, mean, I regret to so say I didn't see your show with Richard, but I know mm. you're both funny and, you know, I'm sure that on nights when it worked, you're, mm-hmm. it was charming to watch you kind of flailing sure. around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that was very funny, you know.
0: Yeah. And, we, um, we were likened to a biplane circling, uh, King Kong. That's, that's, great. <laughs> that's, okay. that's nice. great. What a nice feeling for the audience. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. would yeah. see that show. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, um, but in, in, anyway, in ge- I mean, we're sort of writing our second generation of material now, and it seems to be changing tone away from punchlines and a bit more into kind of, it's still tightish, but, uh, we're more confidently hanging the silly moments rather than feeling mm-hmm. we need to make haste mm-hmm. for a joke. <laughs>
0: Rob Deering had very uh, specific feelings about how and where he finds his social life, given that he's gigging most nights and has a family. Yeah. And obviously he performs almost entirely as a solo. Do you find that working with Nat and Tom, it sort of changes your your social life or your, your communality? Um... I suppose so. I mean, <laughs> what, I guess, what, I'm, so, what I mean, I'm saying is that I'm terribly lonely as a comedian. No,
1: no, I'm, a, yeah, well, I'm, I'm very lonely as a comedian. Yeah. And as a father. I mean, I love my children, but you, one is sort of squished out of shape when one yeah. has kids. And, uh, you, you don't, I mean, the last, my younger child is five. So uh, the last year or two, I've been going out for a beer and that's not misogynist. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Honey, I'm off, you know. And, uh, yeah, but it is very nice to have a beer with Tom and that after the show and a bit of a post-mortem and for it to blur with, uh, you know, being in a pub, actually having a beer. It feels, yeah. you know, it's quite nice. Um, yeah, but there isn't enough time in the day. And when you have kids, there's no time. There, mm-hmm. there isn't even remotely enough time. So, uh, that is hard. That's the hard bit when you become a comic. Cause when you're, you're when you're in your mid-twenties or whatever and you start, it's very exciting and you're meeting everyone. Mm-hmm meeting everyone your peers you know gently competing against them for advancement you know and then getting having car journeys with people you've admired and mm-hmm. getting to know them and um so socially the, it's a great world and that was a very i mean there was my first few years of comedy were the you know a golden period in my life where i just was so in love with it i was mm-hmm. so I had no thoughts for anything else all my waking moments were thinking about it and, uh, yeah. And now, uh, yeah. Well, life has other plans. <laughs> you know? but, yeah. So it's, di- it's difficult. Yeah. I, I don't know This it's be candid and not maudlin, but like I, yeah, I passionately love my children, but there's an enormous wrench from yeah. a life one had chosen where one had a lot of liberty sure. and potted about with ideas percolating gently in the back of one's head. And then felt a desire to do some creative work arise and naturally followed one sort of fire sure. rhythms, you know, and now I get up at 7.30 and take my kids to school, you know, reluctantly. On the <laughs> yeah, <part of> <laughs> if you must so, be yeah, educated. So, yeah, so these others kind of productions. Yeah, so anyway, it's tricky. But uh, yeah, anyway, here we are doing it. So yeah.
0: I think yeah. I wonder about how how people plan their comedy career. Because it's one of those jobs where I I think it's very, very difficult to plan what you're going to do as a comedian. And sure. I think whenever I try and plan my future, I, I, I suppose I'm always subconsciously planning a baseline of a minimum... Wage from a, from a minimum involvement with comedy. Should I then have children? And, yeah. do you know, what I mean, I'm trying to sort of plan for, <laughs> plan for the worst. Obviously, no, no, I no. imagine I would also love my children, but no, in no. terms of the, 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 time that's being taken up, yeah. you, you can hope for just incredible. The sky's the limit with comedy as we know, yeah. and movies and so forth. Mm. Um, uh, but I, I try and plan for. How how will I still be happy doing this when I'm 45? Yeah. How will I still be happy doing this when I'm 50? Yeah. And do... Well, that's I'm, smart, yeah.
1: Because yes. travelling to Sheffield on a rainy Tuesday is not for a 50-year-old.
0: No. Probably.
1: No. I mean, it's a funny thing about comedy that we, we still don't know what happens to comedians when they get old from our little world. Yes, because it's a musical, musical thing. Yeah, like yeah. the old-star comedians, they still stand on stage in a bow-tie age, whatever, mm. doing gigs to people their age. But those the comedy store players are still... Only in their fifties, aren't they? You know, yeah. the Alexi Sale or whatever. Yeah. So we don't know what the roadmap is. So we better get a we better get an idea of where the, <laughs> yeah. money, where the money's coming from. Otherwise, we're going to have to do yeah. some quite undignified things at the wrong age.
0: I uh, I, uh, I worked with a comic recently who was coming back to it after years away, mm. and I think that's quite an interesting thing. I remember I was chatting to another comic at the time, kind of saying. That's gotta be, you've really gotta have nerves of steel to do that. I've got the greatest respect for anyone that, mm. that stops, has kids, comes back to it. And what do mm. you do? Do you do your own, your old stuff? Do you, yeah. right, you know, how do you sort of reconnect with things? You took a, a, a brief hiatus. You took a, From a, Edinburgh,
1: two? yeah. Three, three years off, yeah. Yeah. Uh, while well, my kids were small. I just couldn't do everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. So I came back and had to kind of start again a bit. Not, to... Yeah. But I change, I mean, fatherhood changes you, obviously, you know, it's a big, uh, big experience and, uh, gives you new things to talk about. And, um, so my comedy's kind of changed now. So all that stuff we said about my approach to joke writing is partly still the case, but partly a bit historical and still sort of okay. is the most of my career. But I think i try and speak a bit more candidly now. And the more, the more I, the further I go on, I think the more I try and write that stuff that your f- friend said in the car, you know, just mm-hmm. like, funny
0: engaging stories mm-hmm. um so, well let, let's talk about that then let's yeah. talk about the 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 types of things you find funny the types of things you notice that you think that will be mm-hmm. that that could be useful effect and somehow do you do you spot a type of things in yourself do you ever i don't know it's a huge subject do you ever mm. come up with stuff and go that's not really me or is, is 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 anything is absolutely anything fodder
1: i think anything should be fodder i mean um my, uh, idea with writing Edinburgh shows is to always do, pack them with variety and do a song and then a rap and then the thing so you just don't know what's coming next.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I and mean, is that, is that purely so that the audience doesn't know what's coming next? Or so they keep you entertained as well? Well, or? but
1: it amounts to the same thing in terms of us, you know, you and the audience warming to each other, that enthusiasm is maintained. I don't know, when my heart sinks, it's because, it, it, well, a real, a well written show on an arc can be, Wonderful as a mm-hmm. piece of writing. But uh, people who, I don't know, you wouldn't ask Eddie Izzard to stay on topic. You wouldn't ask sure. Sean Locke to stay on topic.
0: No, sure.
1: You know, so the uh, I don't know. I, I feel offended, not offended, yes, offended, and, and, and disappointed when my Edinburgh shows are reviewed as being bitty. You yes. Know, that he has failed to commit to a theme because I
0: have... Yeah, You've I mean, act- you're actively ditching the idea of a thing I, and coming up with a big bag of your uh, funniest. I, I hope so, stuff. yeah, because yeah.
1: that's what makes me happy. I mean, and shows that like uh, Tony Law, who we I used to work with, who we were talking about, his recent—I've seen two of his recent shows, and they've been so delightful. Mm-hmm. They've been just so funny. From a great comic zipping around, you know, from idea to idea, and there is no problem for me with that. You know, and it either tickles you or it doesn't. Some mm-hmm. audiences come to my shows and they like it more than others anyway blah 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 blah.
0: i think it's strange that the more successful stand-up becomes as an art form or the more used to it everyone gets the less alternative it becomes if you like Uh, i think that's when there becomes a a model in a reviewer's mind of what makes an edinburgh show yeah and i think there becomes a a model in in comics minds of Mm. what i have to do at edinburgh to to get noticed or to be on the table somehow so that's right and I, I mean it's very, it's weird, it's a weird idea it's a, it's a media idea it's not
1: a comedic idea the idea of trends you know
0: mm-hmm. isn't it
1: i mean we are, we are all sort of in a zeitgeist so something that i mean i generally look down on reviewers compared to comedians <laughs> i think just because you've watched a few hundred shows is not the same as having done a few thousand shows or it? even done one or even done one yeah, yeah that's right it looks very different from the inside than from the outside sure. so mainly i don't have and a lot of time for reviews do, do you read them or do, I do you go I, out of your way to avoid them I do read them and then sometimes I regret uh, yeah on, on that one yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but um, uh, I mean what reviewers are placed to do something that comedians aren't which is to spot trends you know if you go and see a hundred shows at a festival mm-hmm. and everyone's talking about monkeys yeah then they'll you know, you can sort of say, oh, well, this is, a, this is a thing. It's an article
0: this year on monkeys and an article next year on what happened to all the monkey yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Nat uh, Lutzema was interviewed for Jigsaw by uh, a journalist who began his interview. Um, so, sketch is dead. Why do you think? Blah, 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 you know, wow. And he was saying it to be abrasive and provocative, I suppose. So that she goes,
0: "Sketch isn't dead," and he could quote, <laughs> "Sketch isn't dead." Yeah, what yeah, or mean? whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to put her on the back foot is a silly man. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so okay, so Sketch is dead. I mean, on what level is Sketch <laughs> dead? When we have a bad gig, maybe Sketch isn't dead. Yeah, yeah sure. If we have a good gig, surely Sketch isn't dead. So like, like uh, things are so basic. Like telling stories is basic. Writing one liners is basic. Doing a sketch, which is like more than one performer mm-hmm. expressing mm-hmm. an idea over mm-hmm. a length of time, and then another one, and then another one. That's basic. So all these things are just sort of bit, bits of Lego, and the idea mm. that, that that they have uh, trends is uh, is strange. You know? The whole
0: concept of trends could fall away without really affecting without affecting anything. Yeah, it's itself.
1: a po- it's a sort of post. Uh, yeah, it's a post-match analysis. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do you ever try and put yourself in environments where you think you'll come up with stuff? I don't. I, I downloaded an
1: app I found helpful recently. It's called Word. <laughs> no, the app yeah. is called Environment for Stimulated Comedy. Where can I get it? No, it's just um, it's a random word generator. It generates two, an adjective and a noun. Okay. Uh, lopsided affluence. You know, uh, you know, unhappy okay. camel, and uh, that, that's quite good. You know, because often one can get settled in tram lines and one needs yeah, sort of random uh, stimulation to mm. set one off on new new pathways. But uh, I don't really go to a place, no, I suppose I should. I'll get, I'll get around to that. Yeah. I had a great
0: time in an airport the other day. you? I could you? just walk around and there was no one there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I yeah. had nothing to do and I, yeah. I definitely couldn't do anything and there were mm. no distractions. Mm. And I wandered around Alicante Airport for about an hour and a half and I'm sure I wrote... 10 good jokes. Yeah, I'm It'll sure. It'll probably turn into two good jokes. You know? sure. no, that's
1: good. That's still a <laughs> but, decent you way, know, right? Yeah. And
0: I did at the time. I'm so yeah. sort of desperate for, to not be sat looking at a blank piece of paper. Yeah. That whenever anything like that happens, I then start planning the rest of my life around being in airports a lot. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can I make sure I'm always just waking up yeah,
1: yeah, in an yeah, airport yeah. lounge? Yeah. I think that would then become a pattern. You'll have to go start going to mechanics yards and other, other places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I think, I mean, the blank piece of paper... Is not at all frightening when you have a deadline. The deadline is more frightening than. Oh. Yeah, so that's
0: I'll be, why I'll be quoting that in the blurb for this. That's yeah, a, that's
1: yeah. a really good idea. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, that, that's why Edinburgh is uh, is useful because it's. Um, I think what keeps you from creating is the fear of. Uh, is perfectionism? Is the fear of doing something mediocre? Not even mm. doing something crap. That would be kind of likable. Mm-hmm. Of doing something mediocre. That mm. so the three that, star. That review, be isn't it? The three star dreaded three star review. Yeah. yeah the emotionless three-star yeah. review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. Well, yeah, it's yeah, comedy, yeah. there it is. No, that's right. Yeah, so uh, when you have a deadline, the, my uh, my uh, the mother of my children is a uh, poet and she did a show uh, with a director, a sort of theatrical show, and the director gave her a maxim, which was, let it be the pathetic piece of shit it was always meant to be. Oh, and I find yeah. that completely inspiring because you've got to let yourself off the hook. And make a start, you know, yeah, and that's what's really nice about working with jigsaw is that there's something about three people on the stage or two even that's already charged, there's already a situation, there's mm-hmm. already a relationship, there's mm-hmm. something to watch before you even open your mouths, so it takes the pressure off things and it allows you to feel more relaxed about exploring them and yeah, I don't know when you're when you're i don't know the if you're writing an Edinburgh show and you've got half an hour and you need 55 minutes, that 55 minutes in a funny way already exists. It just doesn't, it's just not written yet. But the fact that you, you've got this container to pour the liquid into. Yeah. Kind of instantly frees you up because you've just got to, you've got to do it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you're just filling in. Yeah. Do it's you, it's already you- a show. I mean, the way, the way the calendar works, as you know, you, you write your marketing blurb. You describe the show, which isn't, doesn't exist yet. Yeah. You have a poster that sort of suggests the show. So, um, it's, so it, is, it is sort of a concept. I mean, you can say those things are flimsy, but actually they become kind of real because it's like a title of a book. It then dictates, once you've settled on that, it feeds back
0: into mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're when in the year, then, do you start, when in the year do you accrue that kind of half an hour? Start getting frightened yeah, well, I, I yeah. Well, so. <laughs> at what point does the fear set in? so it's September last year you've just finished your Edinburgh run you're maybe touring that show yeah at what point do you start thinking oh god I've got to do another one do um, you think oh god or do you think I suppose the new, I, get I suppose one.
1: the new year yeah yeah, the okay. new year. yeah uh but then I yeah I mean ideas just come up and you try them in gigs you know little or
0: so then you you get to the new year yeah. you've got you start to think about right okay, what's it going to be this year or you you're to try and pick out things from the last couple of months' worth of notes, and do you find yeah. that you don't i mean when do you put pen to paper on that initial thirty minutes is that before you've got to put the blurb in or at what because people have got very different things i mean, I, I try yeah. and I I sort of want to have half an hour by Christmas, even right. if I don't use it mm. just so I can feel ahead of the game because otherwise I'll panic and i no, right, been, so I'll, you know I won't sort of cope with the the stress of it all yeah. But then I, I think some people, I mean, you know, there's a phase. some people thrive on different, yeah, on different
1: levels of stress, don't they? Yeah. So is it, is yeah. it kind of April and you mean.
0: think, right, let's, let's get this together and start previewing it or later? Uh,
1: yeah. I think a couple of early previews, I mean, you've got like preview season is a whole experience where it's embarrassing because it's crap. You know, your show is crap. It's just not ready. You mm-hmm. know, and you're standing on there with a bare face cheek of doing unheated tea. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that is good to have lots of little deadlines that break up the impact of the big asteroids of Ed- Edinburgh that's sort of yeah. hurtling towards Earth. Yeah. That, that. And so, I mean, I, I've never done it, but I know yeah. that people are sometimes still writing their show. It's probably changed now. The festival's got so expensive and yeah. competitive. I don't know that there, but there's a couple of perfectly good and established comedians who start writing their show in July, and I just don't know. I have no idea how, how you. I don't know how you,
0: that you wouldn't be sick every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we mentioned the, the barefaced cheek of being there with undercooked stuff. Yeah, and I, I find I think that it, in every gig situation, well, let's say you're doing, let's say you're doing a twenty somewhere. Yes, you're doing a closing twenty or a thirty in October. Yeah, are you chucking new little bits in there? Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay. I mean, a, a sadness that comedians know that you'll know is when you have an old routine and you suddenly, like two years on or a year on, find a bit that elevates it. Yeah. Really funny. yeah. Uh, it's kind of part of the old corpus. Yeah. Work, so you're not allowed to use it again, at least at the festival, using clubs. You know? so,
0: well, let's talk about That's this, because yeah. th- that seems to me to be the rule. You mm. you go up there, you do your hour, and yeah. in order to prove that you're credible next year, you have to do an entirely different hour. Yeah. There are, I think, th- there's the more American kind of way of doing it, which is that you come up with your best bits. Yeah. And I think some British acts subscribe to that. I'm, I know Mickey Flanagan did a show where the following year, there was 15 minutes in it from the previous year because it was just such golden stuff and it, yeah. was, it had become a standard and people wanted to see it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um And I do... I, I kind of find I, I write all year, I go to Edinburgh and then I've got this... I've got a bit about uh, the fear of flying from last year's show and it was in the yeah. middle of last year's show and it was sort of average, it was nice and then yeah. since then I'm closing with it yeah. and now I want it... Now I've brushed it up and it's really rocking and I want to yeah. take it back next year but I yeah. feel like there's this unspoken a nasty reviewer will say well he's resting on his flying yeah yeah yeah. well that's it an uncomfortable choice yeah Uh, yeah but you're of the you're very much of the school of a brand new hour yeah
1: I mean only for fear of uh, yeah being thought to be unproductive yeah I suppose a massive loser yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think think it has sort of changed as well like I started my first festival was 97 uh, just uh, doing open spots or whatever and then um, uh, I know that it was formed then to sort of have at least 10 minutes of old stuff, generally, like mm-hmm. Adam Bloom and sort of big Edinburgh names of that uh, period were kind of doing a degree of old stuff. But I think okay. the, the culture has sort of changed now. This,
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is this feeling you need to prove you can come up with the goods year on year? Yeah, I suppose so.
1: And to go every year, otherwise it kind of creates the impression that you're struggling to come up with an hour, yeah. I mean... I, I, you know, one sense of who's a prolific, like Mark Watson, a famously prolific mm-hmm. person, seems to always have six things on the go, mm-hmm. and you kind of feel like you want to catch them all because he'll be whizzing off doing something else, and you, yeah. you, if, you, if you missed it, it's gone, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and the, the other end of the spectrum is people who, very circuit comics, you might do the occasional Edinburgh show, and uh, you sort of feel like you've seen it, and you just have no feeling of an occasion, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't know. But Edinburgh, Edinburgh is special for the fact that people come up with new work. And that is, you know, regardless of how good it is, that gives it its energy, that there is risk. You know, ev- everyone who's written a new hour, no matter how many previews they've done... I mean, we previewed Jigsaw very thoroughly. You know, we never... You did hundreds to... last year, right? We did, I thir- yeah, think, yeah. about 30 previews, you know, which I'd, is more than I've ever done before, yeah. But even recently, I've done sort of 20, uh, which is a lot, you know. It's like a little tour mm-hmm. before you do uh, Edinburgh. Um, because, yeah... Well, it just isn't, so many good things can come out of the Edinburgh Festival in industry terms. And, um, and even, even if they don't, a hard Edinburgh is something I wouldn't wish on anyone, you know. Yeah. It's horrible. It's, it's fatiguing enough when everyone's clapping. Mm-hmm. And if you're going kind to of getting <laughs> crappy reviews that are upsetting and make you feel mm-hmm. vulnerable every day, then that's, I'd, you know, you can imagine just leaving. Yeah. You know, it's just too, <laughs> Absolutely. it's just too unhappy.
0: Absolutely.
1: Every time you see a stand-up do a word-perfect sentence, mm-hmm. you you know on some level, no matter how conversational his you know style is, mm-hmm. that there is another event that took place in the past that was the creative event, and you are watching a trace of that event. And then there's a live event as well, which is his performance of it. And if that's done with intelligence and commitment, and mm-hmm. and a, he's got a an approach, then that is the, a live event. But you know, so like some people think that Ross Noble is The only comedian, because everything that happens is sort of created in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I've felt seduced by the idea of complete liveness and improvisation. But I've kind of settled into a middle area where there is a depth of thought you can have at the writing desk. You can write something, squint at it, cross it out, Mm -hmm. write it again. And then for that to interact with the live event, I think, is what I like in Mm -hmm. stand-up, where... Oh, God, I'm so pompous. But they're, no, they're, not they're, at they're, all. This my, 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 I'm loving this. Because my, my, my hero, like I'm enjoying Louis C.K. at the moment, because he's yeah. speaking to me about my life and fatherhood and mm. sort of uh, ambivalence in that uh, chapter of life where I am now. So I laugh at, uh, with great uh, recognition at that. Um But also, he's a great comic for me for the same reason Sherlock and Stuart Lee are great comics because they're... Live performance is about the politics in the room, is about prodding the audience and creating a political, in the, you know, real sense of the word, that it's about people in the room, about Mm -hmm. the power between where that is between the performer and the audience, Mm -hmm. and, uh, questioning the authority of the guy who's holding the mic, you know, and all of those things are in play. And that makes the live events, you know, very, um, very intellect, you know, very interesting and and layered and uh if I keep talking probably a full stop will come <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think yeah. no I think that's a very good point I think yeah. the it, it's about the dynamic between the live and the rehearsed and I I, th- yeah. I think you're exactly right um because one of the things I associate with Louis CK is his Is just his absolute searing honesty. Yeah. His, you know what I mean. You, uh, I really aspire to that level of honesty. I don't know if I'd ever get there. He can just say anything. Yeah. And you know, I think of his his sort of his classic old opening bit about how he's really glad that he's white. Yeah. And uh, that's just such a such a completely underpinning idea. Yeah. That. I think he, you know, he's someone who's got that thing nailed between yeah. the, 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 the writing desk.
1: Where the audience trusts him so completely. Yeah.
0: yeah. The, the ideas no, are there, it's right. rigorously thought out ideas. Yeah, that's right. Being then kind of improvised or re-improvised, which I think is obviously yeah. a, a long way away from a funny thing happened to me once. No, that's right. And then right. pulling back and going, oh, I didn't mean that. No, <laughs> oh, no. What am I
1: doing? Yeah, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> that kind right. of thing. I mean, he writes, I I was reading, um, some Christopher Hitchens, uh, obituaries and quotes from him. Mm -hmm. He died recently. And, uh, the, he said, you should always write as if posthumously, i.e. without any thought of consequences or offense or comeback or being judged in any way. And that's what Louis C.K.'s comedy is like to me. He's, he he writes with the detachment of someone who's got no interest in maintaining status at all, you know. Yes. And it's not, and it seems so sincere on such a sort of existential level that he's prepared to throw himself away as a sort of being of value. He's not just saying, I'm fat, meaning like, yeah. like me. Yeah. You know, he's saying, I'm fat, look, I'm really disgusting, and so yeah. are you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's irresistible.
0: And do you have any, uh, are there any sort of rituals that you perform prior to a gig? Are you in the are you in the habit of doing superstitious things or...?
1: Um, no, I don't suppose so. I mean, writing on one's hand is quite superstitious because one never actually looks at it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that is, that's my one superstition, I suppose. I suppose, I think, uh, I suppose a few years ago I had kind of lucky t-shirts and that sort of thing. Oh, really? But I'm less okay. fussed about that now.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm good. I'm glad to hear someone <laughs> say they've grown do you out have, of that. Do you as well? Yeah, I do yeah, certainly yeah. for, um, I've got little superstitions about the things I can have in my pockets won't well, yeah. go on. Can't have any money in my pockets right. because otherwise it's a day to day thing, and this isn't day to day. That's so. Very I always make sure I got no money in my. Pockets. Oh, that's very interesting. And I, I will come out of gigs that went badly and then pack my pockets and go. Oh, there we go. Typical. It's a pound I made. Right, 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 right. I, I think that describes far too No, that's much. very.
1: No, that's very interesting because I have I have t-shirts that I have blamed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes, yeah.
0: yeah. um, and I think I also have to have a pen as well, which I think stems from one open spot I did five years ago where I just improvised something. Which involved writing something on my hand or on someone else's hand. Right. And I thought, oh, it's a good job I had a pen in my pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. I've kept it in my pocket ever That's since, nice. like, in, in the hope that I that like that, your own internal mother telling yeah. <laughs> you to always wear clean underwear. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um one of the things that I think people um, get really uh, excited about in terms of comedy is hecklers, uh, mm. and whether or not they are destructive or whether they can ever contribute, or and how people. Respond to them. I'm sure you've been in the the situation, as have we all, of, sure. of someone ruining your gig and then coming up to you afterwards and, and saying, and saying oh, "Hey, that was yeah, me." Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. "Hey, on, hey, buddy, go on tour together." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do
1: you do you I have despise a- those people? I wish they'd curl up and die. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think Most comedians too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. I think if you want attention, then why don't you risk embarrassment?
0: <laughs> sure. But do you do yeah. you have a, a structure that you that you fall into dealing with a heckler? Do you? I
1: try not to, yeah. I mean, I, I'm quite, uh, dis- disdainful about stock lines, but then I have my own stock lines that I use. But, mm-hmm. uh, ideally one would be witty. Um, heckling is not so bad. Well, it dep, I mean, it depends. I mean, if you, it depends if you deserve it or not, i.e. if the crowd agree with you or agree with the heckler. If the crowd agree with you, well, it's party time, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can just go to town, you know, if you have your wits about you. But that, the, I mean, those are, those are great gigs, are uh, mocking. A heckler I mean that, mm-hmm. those are great moments aren't they for all mm-hmm. of us live you know when you win that this fight been... it's it feels very fresh and victorious and it wasn't for the taking you know yeah so that's, And this is that's this is the argument work, yeah. this
0: is the argument I find myself having is that then the heckler f- can feel like they've been a sort of sacrificial lamb who's allowed you yeah oh thank goodness I, I interjected because you got two great, oh, that was the best yeah. bit, was when you called me in. Well, if they, in, you if know. you, if
1: you win and then they, and then they shut up after that, that's ideal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's golden, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, o- often one shouldn't be too paranoid about heckling because often it is exactly that. It's a sort of invitation, a kind of fanish invitation for you to prove yourself the reigning champ. And it can actually mm-hmm. be quite a complimentary spirit, you know, mm-hmm. rather than uh, something mm-hmm. aggressive, yeah.
0: Well, on that note of uh, of hopefully being a reigning champ, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we get a look. good phrase to end on. Yeah, at. man. Yeah, well, bring in the air. tie yeah. that up there. Um, you're going to Edinburgh this year. Hopefully, this will. I'm, right. sure, I'm sure by <laughs> August, I can have put this out <laughs> in some form. Um, so you're going to be doing Jigsaw. Uh, do you have any idea of a
1: venue? That's right. we'll, we'll, we'll be in the pleasant, uh, hopefully Pleasants courtyard, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, that's not arranged yet. So and hopefully, it's some sort we'll of golden then. sketch time of between three and five. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I think we could sort of guess where
1: five something, which is. Sketch o'clock, yeah, and it's a it's a sweet time to do a sketch show, yeah, it's good. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Absolute pleasure.
0: We've we've just shaken hands, we've just shaken hands and we're out. So that was Dan Antopolsky. You can find out more about him at danantopolsky.com and more about Jigsaw, his fabulous sketch show, at jigsawcomedy.com. So check out both of those. Uh, Jigsaw he does with uh, Tom Crane and Nat Lertzema, who are both fabulous comics in their own right, uh, and I hope to get them in here. They've all got very different approaches, so... uh uh yeah with with luck we'll speak to the rest of them and maybe hey maybe we could get Tom and Nat in together and they could spend an hour slagging Dan off let's see if we can drive some cracks into a good sketch group uh, speaking of sketch group uh pappies are going to come along and do the comedians comedian live at edinburgh so uh they that i cannot wait to talk to them they are going to be just sweating everywhere I imagine that's how it's gonna work I think I might have mentioned that last week I just I can't think of pappies without thinking about sweat and advocate so um, yes thank you very much for listening Uh, remember to email me uh, anything you like uh, nice stuff weird stuff ever since I did show me the funny last year I seem to get a lot of weirdos emailing me every so often so if you're one of them why not email me again you've got to love a weirdo Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I I can't call you ladies and gentlemen. You, the listener, you. uh, I am going to be back, you, next time in two weeks with Mr Ben Norris. And that chat is its a great conversation. I've got it already in the can, um, but uh, it's very, very difficult to... Difficult? No, wrong. It's very different to the chat we've just had with, uh, with Mr. Antopolsky. Ben is a live wire improvising kind of demon, and he's going to be talking about trying to get himself into the state where the demon comes out, and he can just explode on stage um if you know ben and if you've ever been specifically if you've ever been anywhere socially with ben you'll know exactly what i'm talking about all of that stuff is now becoming more and more part of uh, of his day-to-day stand-up performance so really interesting conversation coming up there hope you listen to it that's in two weeks get in touch ah uh, thanks for downloading that's all the things i have to say apart from of course thank you to dan melrose for the music graham crockford for his uh, support and technical assistance toby rose for work on the website and to entertain and everyone there for their assistance throughout thanks very much i'll see you soon <music>